Welcome to the Enhance My App Podcast, where you can hear the latest and greatest tips and tricks on how to improve your mobile app. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We're here today with a panel of mobile app industry experts, and we'll be discussing one of the hottest current topics in the mobile app industry. Drum roll, please. GDPR. If you haven't heard of GDPR, then you might have been living on a rock the past two years. And even if you have heard of GDPR, you probably still have a lot of questions around its purpose, how it works, issues concerning privacy, security, penalties for non-compliance, and what all this means for mobile app developers. We want to give you a well-rounded view of GDPR, so with us today, we have executives from major service providers and app publishers. Please welcome Eldad Bentora, CEO of Kiddos, Eric Dawson, Head of Advertising and Game Analysis from Concrete Software. We have also invited to join us an attorney at law specializing in GDPR compliance, Zachary Strebeck, and CEO of Developer Alliance, Bruce Gustinson. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us today. Before we begin our roundtable discussion on GDPR, it would be great if you could each give us a quick introduction. Let's start with you, Zach. I am Zachary Strebeck, video game and board game lawyer. So I help video game developers and publishers get their legal ducks in a row, including a lot of mobile game and mobile app startups. And actually, in the last few months, I helped a lot of them prep for GDPR and get their privacy policies and all their internal policies kind of updated and and get them prepared. Bruce, could you go next? Sure thing. So Bruce Gustafson, I'm CEO of the Developers Alliance. We, uh, we represent developers on policy issues in Brussels and in D.C. So, you know, we have a handful of very big companies that sort of foot most of the bills, but we have some 70,000 developers that we represent trying to sort of help them or uh, be their voice in front of regulators and elected officials. So we lobbied on GDPR. We, we lobby uh, in the U.S. on various privacy initiatives and kind of the angle we come from. Eric, could you go next? Eric Dawson. I handle advertising and monetization at Concrete Software. We are a mobile game developer and publisher located in Minnesota. And we've been around for about 15 years now, so we've seen a lot of different changes in the field. GDPR kind of was another one of those. And lastly, Eldad, could you talk, talk about yourself? Hey, I'm Eldad, the CEO and co-founder of Kiddos, and we are a content discovery platform for kids. We have our solution, with, which is preloaded on top-tier device manufacturers like Acer and Lenovo. But other than that, we are also a monetization and advertising platform for kids' apps, actually the most popular monetization SDK in the, in the kids' space. To just kind of kickstart everything off, Bruce, since you deal with a lot of developers and start the conversation of going and talking about what exactly GDPR is for maybe people listening who aren't completely aware of it yet. Sure. I, you know, I noticed that we didn't give Zach, we didn't give the lawyer the chance to do all this sort of stuff. So, <laughs> uh, and it is, you know, generally its purpose is to give citizens, I think they say residents of the EU, control of their personal data, right? So it gives them certain rights and, and the ability to exert some of their influence on sort of the people that are using their data. For developers, what does that mean? It means new set of rules around uh, transparency, being clear and precise and telling people what you're doing with their data, user consent. There are new rules around user rights to data access, portability, erasure. You've heard of the right to be forgotten. There are some mandates around the safeguards the developer would need to take around personal data and, you know, breach notices, that sort of stuff. New rules around marketing, how you use data, how algorithms are used, which 
sort of profiling you might do, and then finally a bunch of new rules about data transfer outside of the EU. So that's been sort of in the media for a little while. The key point is that not this is not just sort of new software that's being written. It applies to existing applications, and so I think it's it's created a ton of confusion. Our key message to our members has been, you know, while you get the lay of the land, the things that we can tell you for sure. You need to do a bit of an audit and segregate and secure whatever user data you have. So you can do that today while you're sort of figuring out what you need to do. And then the next step is kind of figuring out what it is you're allowed to hold, what you're allowed to collect. You know, our advice to the developer community is a, a lawyer is really, really helpful, but the smell test is a good way to do it. I mean, if it feels like you're doing something icky, you're probably doing something inappropriate. If you think you're doing something that would trick a user, you're probably on squishy ground. I think the only other thing that's really key and it's been in the media is this, the big players and the penalties that they would incur if, if they get tripped up, something on the order of 20 million euros or 4% of your global sales. These are huge numbers. But, you know, for, for most developers, process is really, it's sort of an escalating scale, starts with warnings. You may be facing audits and stuff, as long as what you, whatever you're doing is inadvertent. Blatantly stealing people's information to your Cambridge Analytica, you maybe don't get that safe harbor. Anyways, that's that'll give you the lay of the land. There is way more detail underneath that. So actually speaking to all the things that Bruce has been saying, it feels like there's a lot of different areas that a developer now has to think about. I mean, Zach, since you are actually trying to help these developers through this process and understanding it more, I mean, since there are so many different areas and aspects they now have to think about, how do you go uh -huh. about explaining this to them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's assuming that I even understand it, <laughs> which is uh, might be a, the wrong assumption. How do I help them understand it? I mean, I created a document that they can read through and then ask me some questions. I mean, that's the best way to do it. And just kind of talking them through how they're using data, where they're taking it from, who they're sharing it with, checking out the contracts that they have with their various service providers. You just have to kind of look through everything. And depending on how big their operation is, I don't generally work with a lot of huge companies, but some mid-sized companies and, and a lot of indie companies. And usually on the indie level, they don't really have that much going on. It's pretty manageable, but a lot of these are like one and two man shops <laughs> that, you know, they just, I mean, it's completely overwhelming for them. And most of them only started doing it in May <laughs> when the deadline was May 25th. I'm actually kind of curious from what you saw, how many people waited to the very, very, very last minute from what you've seen? In my practice, yeah. I would say almost all of them. Yeah, <laughs> everybody, everybody. Yeah. I, well, and then there's the ones that haven't done anything about it yet. <laughs> that, that's another <laughs> chunk that just ignored it. So, Eric, you know, since you, your company, you know, Concrete Software, since you guys are actually developing games, and have you guys been having to think about this? We have actually, most of our traffic is U.S.-based. Mm. Um, so we knew it wasn't going to hit us really hard, but we also knew that it was really serious um, and it was going to kind of be a big overhaul and everything. And actually, one of the biggest hurdles we faced was handling the different partners that we work with. Because we work with a variety of ad networks, analytics platforms, you know, other different services, we had to make sure that all of the data they're using and all the data that we're sending them follows all the different GDPR rules and regulations. And a lot of our different partners waited until the last minute and they were still trying to make changes. So there's those SDKs that we didn't get until the week before, or even some of them the week of the deadline. And we, have, as developers, have to try to get those SDKs in, make sure they're functioning, get them tested, and then get them pushed out the door kind of as fast as possible. And so that was one of the one of the hardest things for us is just kind of making sure that not only you, but every other 
partner that you're working with is following all the rules and regulations of GDPR. So actually speaking to like LDAD, since, you know, with kiddos, you guys are an advertisement platform. And how did you guys get prepared for it? I think the impact on us was relatively small. Mm-hmm. We we were GDPR ready before we knew what GDPR was because of COPA. Mm-hmm. COPA already taught us that we should not collect any personal information. We should not share any personal information and we should not create any behavioral targeting around kids audience so in a way we were forced to act in a GD in a GDPR manner uh, manner you know ahead of time in terms of the technical work we didn't need to reorganize our structure as you know in terms of ad networks there are two types of ad systems one that are that are more based on behavioral targeting they remember the time that you looked for a for a vacation in Rome they'd say and then the hotel that you wanted to book chased you all around the web uh, until you ordered so this is behavioral targeting and this is something that is completely not allowed in in the copace in the copa compliant world and so this is how we acted we the way we are constructed is more contextual based we're trying to place ads in the most relevant places but we're not looking back what the user did for the session or before the visit so we work in a zero in a zero data environment so in a way we, we didn't have to do anything uh, technically other than the paperwork and you know the legal stuff which which had to be made. We we only see the potential here. The hurdles were relatively minimal. You had been mentioning COPA a couple times for people who are listening who aren't aware of that. Could you perhaps explain what that is? COPA is a is regulation all around kids uh, privacy in the US. You know provides instructions how do you deal with data and especially how do you ensure that parents are giving you the right consent for gathering this information for you know by their kids uh, in the GDPR space it's actually different when you're dealing with kids they cannot give you kids cannot give you consent a kid at the age of 8 cannot give you an authorization to use his information he doesn't really understand what he's giving his like what is he saying okay to so in the GDPR space you know you uh, we're acting as if a consent was not even given and we treat everyone as a non-consensual users. We treat all of them as if we never got consent. You know, because we are 100% COPA, this made it easier for us in terms of being compliant. So COPA and GDPR for our for our sake is the same, other than the legal work. But we, we treat everyone as a data zero as a zero data user platform. So Zach, since uh, Eric was saying if it wasn't as big of a problem for them because they use mainly targeting people in the U.S. And since GDPR is being dealing with the European Union and places in in Europe, people in the U.S. even really be that really concerned about it at all? Yes. Yes, for two reasons, two main reasons. Number one, it it sounds like it's just in the EU, but Mm. it actually is more far reaching than that, because as far as I know, it also applies to EU citizens that are abroad. So if someone's outside of the US or excuse me, outside of the EU, but is an EU citizen, then you also can't be taking their data. Honestly, don't know (laughs) unless Mm. you do some some serious profiling, if you're taking someone that will invoke GDPR. There's that. And then number two is uh, California actually just passed a law that goes into effect in 2020 that is extremely similar to a lot of the tenants of GDPR. So, (laughs) you know, in a year and a half, you're going to have to comply with this stuff anyway. Best that you start getting that together now. I must add here, it's Eldad, I must, small companies, they cannot really distinguish between their users you know, around the globe. So I, I think it's better off to treat all of them as under GDPR regulation and not just distinguish country by country because it's coming 
as a global wave and you know, treating different companies differently is just not scalable. Agreed. And I'll also say it's, it's just get good data security practice to be in compliance with this stuff. Really, it benefits all of us <laughs> if everyone is GDPR compliant. Bruce, since you deal with a lot of developers as well, what what's the type of messaging you've been trying to tell them when it comes to getting prepared for this when they're developing their apps or games or, or any type of uh, software. You know, and it's interesting, right? Because we, you know, it, it's not a hard sell. I mean, I think you're hearing from, from the rest of the gang here that people see the value in this and they understand that your, your brand is important. If, if you lose user trust, it sort of doesn't really matter what the law says. If users don't trust you, they don't buy your software and then you're scoot, you're, you're hooped, right? So, you know, there is a whole brand element that, that, Certainly, we are hearing from the developer community that, that they get that, right? So, you know, we did a quick little survey the other day, and I think 60% or so came back and said developers are not doing enough to improve the way that they handle data and the, the security and the privacy controls they put in. So our the community gets it. I think they, they, what's coming back is, what the hell do I do, right? Like, you know, what do I actually need to do with all this stuff? It's easy to say, you know, be transparent. Well, what does that mean? You know, how, like... You know, when do I ask for, what do I need to ask for? When do I need to ask for, you know, what can I, what data can I take and what data do I need to get permission for? And, and so we're sort of parsing through all of that, um, you know, trying to help them out. So we, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, we too looked at the that bill in California and there's some real crazy stuff, stuff in there. You know, we know that there is a lot of discussion here in Washington, D.C. about putting in some sort of a federal privacy regime. So, we're trying to come up with a structure that is, you know, takes the portions of GDPR that would make sense in a sort of in the U.S. environment, um, where sort of some of these some of these rights are maybe, you know, we look at them just slightly differently. And so we're trying to sort of create that framework and then steer developers towards implementing that with a recognition that that gets you sort of 90, 95 percent of what GDR, GDPR would require. And then it's up to you if you want to apply the the next little bit. But, you know, broadly speaking, developers, you know, uh, they recognize the need, they recognize the value, they understand this makes good business sense. It's just, it's a tangle, and so it's hard to know where to start. Uh, Zach, uh, you had mentioned before that when you're talking to your, the developers that you have relations with, have like a document that they look over. And Bruce was just saying that like the developers, they do understand the importance of it. And, you know, mm -hmm. but it's also a very complex topic and there are so many different areas. How do you explain to, to the client? Right. Well, I mean, you can explain the basics pretty quickly, I guess, you know, mm -hmm. you need a lawful basis for collecting and processing the information. And there's like, I think there's five or six different lawful bases. The most important ones are getting consent. So mm -hmm. your consent is a lawful basis. If you have to fulfill a contract. So, you know, one example might be if they bought something from you and you need to gather their personal information or billing information to fulfill that that contractual relationship. I don't know. A lot of these are kind of open to interpretation. So some might say that you need you need consent there. And then there's another one that's sort of a catch-all called legitimate interest. So if it's in your legitimate business interest to take some personal information, you know, that's a basis for information, which you then don't need consent to, to use it or to collect and use it. The problem is we don't really know what counts as legitimate interest and what doesn't. And so I, I think that maybe a lot of developers are going to be relying on that. And mm -hmm. it's kind of we're going to have to wait until some complaints get filed and some uh, fines get handed down before we really kind of get a test case. Eric, when you guys are actually developing your games or uh, you know other types of uh, other software that you may be wanting to make, I mean, like from an actual like design or development standpoint, 
is there a certain approach that you do it? Like when you need some information from a user, do you only do it at a certain time? Like maybe when the game loads up, that's when you ask, start asking for all of it, or maybe when it's only really required at a particular moment during the gameplay or. Yeah, we've always tried to be open and honest um, with our users about what data we're taking and exactly why we're using it. We like they were saying, um, someone was saying before, if it seems wrong, it probably is. Uh, we've, kind of followed that mentality for a while. We haven't wanted to sell or abuse anyone's data. We've only wanted to take the data we need and only use it positive, positive experiences kind of on both sides. And so I think it's really just kind of being open and upfront with the user kind of right off the bat from app launch and saying, here's what data we're going to be taking. Here's exactly why we're going to be using it and give them even more links to more information so they can get into all the legalese of it if they really want to. And just kind of being being open with them right away so they understand and they're, you're not doing anything hidden, you're not doing anything sneaky, and you're just letting them know straight from the get-go. And this, this is Bruce. Let me, I'm going to build on what Eric just said. I mean, the, the, the core of this whole regulation is it it is all, it's consumer driven, right? It, you know, if there's a problem, it starts with a consumer complaint. It's not that the regulator is going to hunt you out. So, you know, your relationship with your users, building trust with them, uh, being honest, being open, you know, that's, that's the way to stay out of trouble, you know, and all this other stuff here is really just sort of, it's, it's designed to help you to do that. Uh, like LDAD with kiddos. And since you guys, the Azure are, are targeting mainly children and you were saying earlier, they can't really give consent or anything like that. So when it comes to making like kids games or uh, like other types of software that deal more around children, are there any type of, from what you've seen, like instead of actually utilize your guys's services, cert certain things that they tend to do or not do? Like if you're making a kid's game, are there a lot of things that you've seen that they may ask for or may not ask for or they shouldn't ask for? It's, it's really hard to determine today what is a game that is targeting specifically kids. Games like Fun Run, Temple Run, uh, any type of you know, classic uh, casual or hyper casual games. Do they do they attract mainly kids? Who knows? So one one type of behavior that you, you you see more and more is an age gate at the first session. Like the developer would ask you, "What is your age?" One practice that we don't really appreciate is the ones that are putting default age uh, of you know, 18 or 19 or 20, so they can avoid looking at you as a kid, although, you know, most of your users are kids. So this is a, you know, a, a practical, you know, step that um, we're not, we, we do not recommend. We do recommend to place an age gate, but give users the, you know, the, the way clearly define their age and not placing a default. And once, once you know the age of the user, then you can act differently. You can ask for consent, whether they are at the age of, you know, above the age of consent and, and treat them as kids and if they are below the age of consent. And obviously, as a manager of any company, you should ask yourself if any piece of information that I'm gathering, is it necessary? Is it really necessary? I was doing some uh, you know, research of my own and I've and I've saw that we we ourselves were collecting some pieces of information that were not necessary and we took them off. So as it was an opportunity for us to see what type of information do we really need and what is just being collected as, as a default. So it was an opportunity for us. Uh, so actually speaking to what Eldad was saying, uh, Zach, like with all the different types of data out there, now I do believe like GDPR, like there, I think there were different 
um, different types of data that they had, like it's like specifically trying to protect. Would you happen to know those different areas and like <laughs> perhaps uh, like, you know, which ones are most important, which you should be thinking about? It might be easier to think about what you shouldn't be thinking about <laughs> because it's a lot smaller. I mean, you're protecting, it protects personal data, which is, uh, this is a quote from the GDPR, any information relating to an identified or identifiable natural person. So it's basically anything that could be used to identify a person either directly or indirectly. So it's extremely expansive as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it could be anything from names, emails, usernames, uh, personal information like age and gender, your address, your photo, social media posts, your uh, banking info, your ID number, <laughs> um, even like personal preferences and things that they use to sort of build a, a personal profile from you. Uh, and, and now I think some of the newer things that GDPR brings is like your advertising IDs and device IDs and you, even dynamic IP addresses. All of that stuff counts. So it's really almost everything that, you know, except for maybe like gameplay anim uh, information and things like that. I'm trying to think of what isn't covered under a, a GDPR that, that a, a game developer would be taking in that app. Like Bruce speaking, you know, after what Zach's all the different things that you would need to be thinking about and that are covered with all of that, <laughs> there's like very little room to what actually you can maybe save in your software or on your database or, or anything, that kind of thing. I mean, ha have you, have any developers approached you kind of like really worried about after like hearing about all this stuff about like, can I actually even be collecting at all? Or maybe there's some businesses, like I give an example before of a, like a really a social game or some sort of like social network app or messaging app where you're collecting tons and tons of all kinds of information. Have you been approached by any of those developers or is it a very small number that actually need a lot of that kind of data? <laughs> you know, and it's interesting, of course, because I mean, Google and Facebook are members, right? And so, you know, <laughs> yes, we, we have some people who, who have uh, rather expansive uh, databases that they work with. Um, I, you know, I think there's, uh, we're finding developers fall in two camps, right? There, there are people who are, uh, you know, taking the, the approach that says, you know, and this is sort of closer to where uh, LDAT is, it's, it's data minimization, right? What's the minimum that I can get away with that allows me to deliver the service? And, and that's what we're doing. And, you know, we're just going to stay away from all of this stuff, right? And, you know, it changes your focus perhaps on how you monetize or, um, you know, whether you have some sort of a, you know, a, a back-end process, if you will, that is that is delivering value to the to the service rather than the service up front, you know. And then there's the group that says, well, you know, we would like to collect some of this other stuff. We have other reasons. Um, and then, you know, how do we how do we best go about that? And I think, uh, I think it was Zach that said, you know, you, you know, the trick is, you, you, you know, you start working with the stuff that's straightforward, you tell them what you're doing about it, or, or with it, you, you, you are certainly allowed to collect data, you just, you need to get per, per permission or, you know, in whatever form that is. So the people need to know that you're doing it, they need to know what you're up to. And, you know, you need to sort of convince them you're using it for good purposes. So, you know, kind of those two camps, you know, I think the bigger challenge for the folks that, that collect a lot of data is just, you know, the hype cycle now and the media and everywhere else is, is doing tremendous damage to people's brands, right? You know, Facebook is um, taking some serious heat because, you know, not only were they collecting a lot of things that people weren't aware of, but th then they were sort of letting it out into the wild, right? So, you know, what you collect, how you use it, whether it goes to third parties, you know, there's a, there's a much longer trail of questions that, that people are having to think through 
and and I think people are being it's all that's the wild west now. People are being a lot more uh, thoughtful in how they handle data. But uh, I guess the other side to that too is that even though it's become a very big deal now, there's also the other other side of people who are just you know who, who claim that maybe this is becoming too big of a deal for nothing, and you know before with the thing that happened with Facebook happened, nobody was really that concerned about privacy. Nobody was making that huge of a deal of it. But now suddenly now that it's out in the open and, you know, everyone's talking about it now, everyone's suddenly starting to worry about, Oh, Facebook now has my data. But before they were just clicking and scrolling through the terms of service and clicking. Yes, 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 yes. So, I mean, why do you, why do you think it's suddenly now becoming such a huge deal when, all these big companies like Google and Facebook and Microsoft have always been collecting large amounts of data. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of research out there that says people are more than happy to share their data in exchange for free services. Right. I mean, there's, there's lots of data. In fact, the way people behave, you know, sort of, they behave in a way that says it's even, uh, you know, more important to them than the way they, they talk about it. So, so they're more than happy to do that. I think what has changed is, um, you know, people knew that data was being collected, they knew it was being used. I think they were shocked to discover the degree uh, and the sort of the, the lax attitude towards taking my data and just handing it to other people who then used it for purposes I would not have approved of, right? And so it's that breach of trust, I think, which is the big change today, right? Uh, uh, you know, people are more than happy to share data with someone they trust and that, that will keep their secrets, right? I mean, we, we give, we share secrets with people every day and, and, you know, they're context sensitive. It depends on who you're with and what it is, you know, but when, when that trust is breached, you know, we're offended and that's when we lash out. And so, you know, GDPR is putting in place a framework that says, okay, then we, you know, we'll set up an environment where we just assume we don't trust anybody at all and we'll clamp everything down. Um, you know, is that overkill? I, I mean, I think if we can get back to a place where users trust us and, and the work that we do and the, that they understand what, you know, that we're using data for good purposes, I think we'll get back to a better place. I'm, I'm hoping the pendulum swings back a little. Uh, actually, Eric, to speak on, you know, to what Bruce was saying, um, since you guys have, re you know, released games and, and whatnot, have you guys suddenly now have gotten a lot of users complaining or, um, like asking, like, you know, no, I don't want to give that to you. Why are you using my information? I know you said that you, that's not, the, it's not really that big of an issue because you guys don't collect that much information, but have you already started to see some sort of possible backlash of people like really concerned about their privacy? We've seen a couple of people come in with requests to delete all their data, um, which under GDPR is an option that people have now. Uh, but like I said before, it's something where we've always tried to be honest and open with people about what data we're taking and take as little data as possible. So we haven't seen as much backlash from it. Um, and kind of like Bruce was talking about, people know that when they're on the Internet, when they're on their phones, when they're living in modern society now, that their data is being collected and they're okay with the known data being collected if it's for their benefit. They know that Google's taken their search history. They know that you know Netflix knows what shows they're watching. Um, and they're okay with that. But it, when it comes to the unknown things and the things that people are taking behind the scenes and they're selling it or they're trading this data, that's where people kind of really have a problem. And so I think it's really important to stay away from those practices and really understand that, you know, you're only 
taking the data and using the data to give people a better experience and make sure that your customers completely understand that. Uh, Zach, so since so many developers have waited to the very end, uh, and yeah. there have been said that there would be there would be penalties, and we have uh, like heard in the news that there's been you know like some companies that have potentially have had million dollar penalties, mainly the bigger companies of uh, like yeah. in fines and whatnot. I mean, is that something that because uh, they kind of almost made it seem like some sort of doomsday that you know it was counting down to May and you know <laughs> it, it was the end. I mean. It, from like your standpoint with developers, should they still be really scared if they have not like really uh, become compliant? Uh, it's hard to say. It's actually impossible to say because we don't know. <laughs> yeah. We don't know how many consumers are going to care enough to complain. Uh, we don't know if if you kind of have some security in obscurity. If you're not that big, maybe you just don't have the numbers of consumers that are that are going to make it worthwhile for the data protection agencies to come after you. And we really don't know, and there's kind of no precedent for this. So uh, it it just sort of remains to be seen. I mean, the risk if you're not a big company is probably pretty low. Like I think Bruce said earlier. You know, the, the, the first thing is probably going to be, if it's anything like the uh, U.S. government, the first thing is probably going to be a warning. Hey, stop what you're doing uh, or fix this. They're not going to slap a fine on you right away. I mean, these things aren't generally done like that. Uh, that's that's my thoughts. I don't know. Maybe the other other guests have uh, different thoughts on the on the risks there. But it seems like it's not going to be instant fines of, you know, 20 million dollars or 20 million euros, excuse me. Uh, Bruce, have you found anyone <laughs> that's had to worry about that yet? Or, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that, I mean, I think the complaint was filed against uh, Facebook and Google, like you know, fifteen On minutes after one, the, right? the rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah took effect. But so, so obviously, though, you know, and and you know, they, you know, both uh, the big companies have done you know a ton of work. It, it was even for them, it was last minute, but they have done a ton of work to put in place the tools that people need to be able to sort of, you know, implement this, the kind of control GDPR um, anticipates, right? Um, you know, the, the, I, I think, you know, to Zach's point, uh, as more and more companies, you know, begin to do this, you know, in a little more disciplined fashion, the, the outliers are going to be more and more obvious, right? So mm -hmm. you don't want to be the last one that begins to sort of take user privacy seriously, you know, that that will probably be a bad thing. I'll go a step further. I mean, it's not going to be good for your business, right? Because over time, people will begin to figure out who is treating data well and who is not. You know, um, there will be companies certainly that will use that as a marketing tool, right? To say, look, you know, we do this, we're, we're you know, we keep data clean, da, 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 da. And, you know, we'll probably charge premiums for those sorts of things. So, you know, the market will begin to adopt and, and absorb some of this stuff. But, you know, today we haven't seen, um, you know, a ton of people that are being pulled in, at least not the small guys. I'm sure that it'll be the, the huge fines and the big headlines for the big players. That's, you know, that's who the sort of the, um, you know, the active civil society people want to go after. So those will be the ones that will play out over the, you know, the near term. And uh, can I can I also go, say, go for it. Uh, yeah, I think I think one of the best things you can do, even if you don't have the, the resources to go all out like uh, a big company does, you know, just taking those steps toward, you know, figuring out where your data is going, updating contracts with with all your third parties that you're using, updating your privacy policy, sort of making those, 
uh, getting some internal policies about data breaches and data breach notifications, all that stuff that's required. It's pretty low-level compliance stuff that you could probably do. So making an effort toward that will probably go a long way toward avoiding the huge fines if, if someone does complain about you. Bruce, do you also feel that you know, if a developer, let's just say, like I was giving the example before, like a messaging app or some other type of app that requires a lot, that could potentially require a lot of user data, if, you know, they now have to change up how they're doing everything, uh, do you think, do you think like maybe an apology notice or something or some sort of you know, nice way to the user to let them know, like, you know, it's okay, you don't have to retaliate, even though we have your information, we're not doing anything bad with it. Are there like any, you know, best practices or ways to approach letting the user know that we have, yes, we do have your data and we are working on making sure it's secure and giving you access, you know, all, all that sort. Is there like a good way to do that or should you just be silent about it and just kind of carry on in the background and not be open about it? No, I, I mean, I, I think being proactive on that stuff is absolutely valuable. Certainly that's, you know, our members, mm. you know, are encouraging us to, you know, to help them to be able to, to, you know, send those messages out. So, you know, if, if, and let's be clear, there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with collecting data and using data and sharing data. I mean, that's, this is, that's part of the economy that what, you know, the problem is if you're, if you do it, you're, you're sloppy with it and you lose it and you give it away or you sell it and you're doing it without people knowing, right? So it's, as long as it's all about board, everything's, everything's okay. So certainly if your service is data intensive in order to deliver the, the service that, you, you know, you're, you're compliant with GDPR. I mean, that's, they want the service. The service requires data. So, you know, you deliver the service. You you certainly will be in a better position if you start a conversation with your, you know, your user community that says, you know, here's why we do what we do, right? This We collect this data and this is what we do with it. And, and you, you know, reach out to them in that way. I mean, I think one of the, you know, a key element in GDPR that's easy to implement as well is to take your privacy policy and just you know, scrub the legalese out of it and just make it sort of in plain and ordinary English. And, you know, if the lawyers are uncomfortable, have the legal thing in the background, you know, have a couple of layers of click down. You can, you can see how, you know, Google and Facebook have done that, right? So the first sentence is very, you know, it's very conversational. You know, we, we use your data because we use it to improve the service. You know, do you want to know more? Okay, sure. You know, we can tell you some more. But, um, you know, starting that conversation so that at the end of the day, the consumer is not surprised by what you're doing. That's, I mean, I think that's the get out of jail free card here. Uh, Zach, like during also during, you know, when Zuckerberg was in front of like Congress and another big problem was a lot of them just, well, I don't think a lot of them understood the internet. That was probably a much bigger problem. <laughs> but uh, yeah. another issue was that they just kind of like what Bruce was saying, they did not understand any of the legalese. It was just like, it was just too much to, to just to parse and understand uh, I mean, is there a way for developers when they're kind of sending out these new policies or, you know, like, um, you know, new terms of agreement and all that kind of stuff to kind of make it so it's more understandable and more digestible to the actual it's, user? Or is that just impossible? This is just so much. Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, you just have to plainly say what you're taking, what you're doing with it. In mm. fact, if your lawyer tells you that it has to be in legalese, then I don't know, get a new lawyer because A, that's against the GDPR. It doesn't allow you to, it, it needs to be plain and understood by the user, right? And I don't think there's anything that can't be said in just regular, <laughs> plain, normal human English. Uh, you don't need a lot of legalese to describe this stuff. 
Good for you, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do that with contracts, too. I mean, legalese drives me nuts. So I'm, I'm on a crusade against that in general. Well, that is like really comforting to hear a lawyer say that. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Um, so I, uh, so, so actually, I'm kind of curious. Now, we've been talking a lot about kind of sending data out, you know, like, you know, all data that's collected out, like maybe stored in a database or something. But like, um, but Zach, how about data that may be stored on the device itself, like maybe a, a user setting or some or some other type of information that may fall into one of the, the different categories you had uh, mentioned before? Is it still something that you need to let the user aware of, even if you are storing it locally on their device? Or is it only like is the GDPR stuff and privacy only covering data that's collected and sent outward or is stuff saved inward? Is that like, okay, you don't really have to say anything. Well, I mean, you could, I guess you could make an argument either way. Like the argument could be, yes, it's staying on the device, but the service is collecting it and processing it, even mm -hmm. if it's still on the device. So I don't know. I think it should, you still need to have data security. You should still tell. And I believe like the devices require that you, you know, you are explicit about what you're taking from them, right? If you need to access the photos or the microphone or the phone calls, all that, you know, Android and, and iOS sort of require that you that you do that before you get access to that. So a lot of that is through consent. Um, things like, I think, advertising ID, you know, the unique ID that you have, sometimes that's stored on the phone and mm -hmm. doesn't get shared. I, I don't know, or it goes directly to the ad network and doesn't go through the app. It's complicated. I've had different clients explain it different ways and, and use it different ways. So, I mean, the answer is, and it's a lawyer answer, it depends. You don't really know. <laughs> and we'll wait and see until until some court or data protection agency uh, finds someone for doing it. And then, you know, <laughs> yes, you do. You will really know at that point. Um, Eric, it, since when you guys, you know, in your games, uh, when it comes to like data, I mean, this may be a silly question to ask, but it's like your first uh, the first thing you guys do with it is like, do you, should you always like encrypt it and like send it when you're sending it over the line, HTTPS, that, that kind of stuff, make it as secure as possible. Or, I mean, is that something, um, I mean, even just with game, like game data itself, is that something that should be like number one, if you do need to send data back and forth, that should always be something you do. There should not be an excuse not to do it. Yeah. You should make sure that's always encrypted. Um, one of the things that we had to change for GDPR, taking into effect um, ad IDs, starting to make sure that those are encrypted and following, you know, the same procedures as other data. But yeah, just completely making sure that all the data you're sending is encrypted, isn't going to get out anywhere. That should be, that should be a top priority for everyone. And, and, and ensure, ensure that your partners are GDPR compliant as well, because it's not just mm -hmm. about you being GDPR compliant, it's also about your partners. That's a that's a very good point. I mean, Elda, I know you had mentioned that you guys were already kind of ready for this because of you know because of what you guys, uh, which which your company deals with already. Uh, but so there really wasn't any type of changes as a service provider you guys had to change uh, or really think about at all. It was pretty straightforward. No, we had to ensure that we're not. Um Alongside the advertising ID, we had to make sure that we're not sending any other identifiers that could be, um, um, you know, matched and, and to create some uh, some user profiles. So device IDs and other personal information, we had to ensure that we're not sending it 
And, and if we are sharing uh, advertising ID, we had to make sure that the partners that we share it with are not doing anything rather than deciding what type of ad to show at this instance and that's it it's not they're not carrying it over to create some personal information to personal um, profile on their side so it, there was a lot of bureaucracy and uh, you know legal work and operational work around it not necessarily technical work mm, that's always fine <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so Zach, like speaking once again to kind of the different, different types of, uh, penalties and whatnot and things that could potentially happen outside of a, uh, a fine, could it ever go to the extreme where the company would be shut down or is it simply where they'll just keep finding you and finding you when it gets to that point? Yeah, I don't think they have the power to shut you down, mm. but I mean, by finding you, <laughs> that yeah, could no. effectively shut you down. That's true. Right. <laughs> Very good point. Um, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, I'm, this is an insanely broad topic, and I, I, find it, I find it really hilarious. Like, Zach, it always seems to be that there's so many different, like, corner cases, and, like, just, like, it depends, and, you know, I maybe, yeah. and that kind of thing when it comes to this stuff, and there's lots to think about overall. Um, but, I mean, is there anything... Like in particular, you guys feel like uh, that the listeners who are probably mainly developers should be thinking about when it comes to GDPR. I mean, we've covered a lot, but like just from your guys's each of your experiences with all this so far, is there anything that you really think that the people listening should be worried about or thinking about at this time? Uh, Zach, how about you first? I mean, I would say number one is get a lawyer <laughs> if, yeah, if you can afford one. And number two... Uh, I, you know, one pro tip that I picked up uh, is, you, you know, you need to make sure that your contracts with third parties all contain certain specific terms. Uh, th- a lot of those terms are in Article 28 of the GDPR. So if if your, you know, wh- whoever's providing your ad SDK or something like that sends you some new contract that you should agree to, uh, go to check out Article 28. And there's a list of all the things that need to be included in that contract and make sure that they match up. That's my pro tip for the day. <laughs> Very good tip. How about you, Bruce? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I keep on coming back to trust. I mean, I think at the end of the day, if, if you're following rules like, um, you know, Eric and Eldad and others are, you know, if you are uh, being clear and open and transparent with your with your user community and you're telling them exactly what you're doing, what data you collect, um, if you store it and I am, I am a zealot for uh, encryption as well, so encrypt the hell out of it. Um, I, you know, I think that you're going to be in, a, in good shape, right? It's what the people are going to be in trouble are the ones who are trying to hide the ball here. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. be open, be honest, uh, and and keep things secure, and you, you'll be fine. Uh, how about you, Eric? Uh, kind of just to reiterate exactly on really what Bruce was saying, being open and honest with people they develop a relationship with your users um, and understand that they know their data is being collected, but let them know why. One thing that we actually looked into is figuring out there's a fine line between giving too little information on why you're collecting data and giving too much. Um, Too much text when someone starts up an app can just kind of scare them away. Um, They don't know what it means, but too little kind of leaves them confused as to what exactly they're agreeing to and what's going on with their data. So just do some research and testing and find that good middle ground to make sure that your users completely understand what's going on 
and know you know why why you're collecting data, why you might be using it for anything, and where it's going, and have those options for them to dig even deeper into that if they really want to. Eldad, how about you? Yeah, I, I think that I still encourage people to be proactive. Uh, I do still speak with some developers that are sitting on the fence. And uh, I think that if they will wait to be ready, uh, you know, by the time that they will need to be ready, you know, they won't have time to prepare. And, you know, I, I just want to share with you, even yesterday, I got a set of questions by the authorities of uh, in Netherlands regarding one of our devices and how do they comply to GDPR. So, so what I'm seeing here is not like the, the threat of to be fined shouldn't be the only, you know, risk that to take in mind. I think that you know, the possibility not to be approved by stores, by stores, by app stores, not to be approved by uh, major distributors should be also, you know, taken into account. And your business may lose some growth opportunities if you want to be ready. So if you're just thinking, what are my chances to be fined or not, then maybe this is not the right approach. I think that soon enough, GDPR would become a guideline by many platforms just to work with you. So it's it's becoming an operational, practical guideline that you need to adhere. I want to thank all the panelists for joining us today. I think we have covered a lot of important information that developers will find very useful. Enhance wants to make sure that mobile developers are aware of the new GDPR laws and encourage you to check out your apps and the services therein and confirm that they are all GDPR compliant. Please head on over to www.enhance.co where we have several services that can help you with your GDPR compliance, including updated versions of your favorite service provider SDKs. Thanks again, everyone. This was truly a great conversation. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Enhance My App. If you are currently building a mobile app, head over to enhance.co where we make it easy to integrate advertising, analytics, security, and payment services into your mobile app. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.